Good morning, everyone. Great to see you. For those of you who aren't on Signal, our kind of um, app thing, I said yesterday that the, the preach today was going to focus on Ephesians 6. And so if you wanted to find that either on your phone or in your Bible, then that would be great. And I'm just going to take my shoes off while you're finding those passages. Ephesians 6 is the first one. This is slightly unusual. I don't normally do this. But I felt God saying that I should do it today. There we go. So I don't know what's going to... If I leave those there, are they going to get taken? This is the question. So I'm going to put them underneath my chair. Okay, so keeping it natural. Prayer, keeping it natural. And uh, this is like a hard topic to preach on. It's a bit like running in that you can talk about running. It's no good. You need to run. And we can talk about prayer. But actually, until you've done some prayer, you can't really... Uh, talking about prayer is, is no good. And it's the same as reading books about prayer. I think, no, I'm not going to read a book about prayer. I'm just going to do some praying. So it's tricky. And Liz said the other day something on our morning prayer meeting. I was driving to Chichester um, at the time, um, navigating that big roundabout. So I remember it distinctly. She said, oh, it's great that we don't have to wait in a queue to speak to God. You know how often uh, you're waiting in a queue, aren't you? And you put it on speaker and you get on with other things and you listen out to see how you're moving up the queue. Isn't it brilliant? We don't have to do that with God. We can just go straight to him. And as Toby was, was saying, where's Toby now? Where's he? Where's he sitting? Is he there? Is he Oh, you're there. He's there. He's there. As Toby was saying um, about how we can just have these intimate conversations, these honest conversations with God. We can say to God, God, are you there? We can say to God, I'm struggling. And it's okay. Um, there is a lot of unnatural communication today, like, um, like waiting in queues, like live chat on computer. Who likes doing a live chat when you're trying to solve a problem? Uh, it's, it's just not natural, is it? And so a lot of life is really unnatural. But, and so in some ways, praying to God is a natural thing because we can just come to him. Obviously in some ways, because this is a title, keeping it natural. In some ways, natural is a bad word because we want to be in the spirit and we don't want to be in the flesh. We don't want to be in our old selves when we pray. But a very popular phrase, I'm sure you've heard recently, is naturally supernatural. You know, not to kind of work anything up, not to feel we've got to be super spiritual or anything. We can just come before God. So um, I want us to start in Ephesians um, 6 and pick out a few things. And I did get the word for myself because the trouble with prayer is when you're thinking about prayer, you think, well, hang on a minute, God, I'm rubbish at praying. You know, I'm, I'm up and down. You know, sometimes I pray, sometimes I don't. Why, how can I help? And I'm conscious there are some folk out here who've been praying for decades and you pray faithfully. So I trust through God's spirit he's going to give you something fresh, those of you who are seasoned intercessors and those of us who are more like beginners and count ourselves, even though I've been a Christian for many years, but I'd still count myself as a beginner in prayer. Um, I'm spiritually flabby when it comes to a lot of these disciplines. I'm very loose. I'm not disciplined. I'm not lean and mean in prayer. Um, I think a lot of Christians think, oh, it's, I, I'll go to church. I'll read my Bible. But the prayer meetings, they're for the fanatics. They're for the, the kind of, you know, the real go for it. Those kind of the people, the same sorts of people who stand in the streets and, uh, and talk to people. No, I'm not doing that. I'm not going to prayer meetings. And so, and so I think a lot of us are in that situation. But I want to encourage you as we look at uh, Ephesians 6. And I do feel that just about you as individuals, but I do believe also God wants to give you a prophetic word individually 
a, a something. It might be something that you're going to start praying for. Or it might, I was, I was stirred when John said about people getting healing ministries. Um, it might be that you felt that as well and you thought, wow, actually, God, you want me to have a healing ministry. It doesn't necessarily have to mean a massive platform ministry. It just means that you pray for people and you see them healed and you ask people to pray, to, to get prayer and you just go for it. That's, that's what it means. And, um, I was reading back in my journal because when I get to a talk like this and I really struggle, I think, I oh, know, I'll have a look back at my journal, see what God's been saying to me. And I write down things from meetings sometimes. And Lizzie, back in November, I think it was, you came up and said um, that 2024 was going to be a year of many prayer gatherings and a year of revival. I do believe that prayer is something that God really has on his heart um, for this year. So I'm just going to pray again before we read. Father, thank you, Lord, for your anointing this morning. Lord God, I just pray that you'll bring deliverance to us this morning, Lord. I pray that we'll come out into a broad place in prayer. We've been singing, you can move the mountains. You are mighty to save. Lord, increase our faith. Father, that we might pray in faith, Lord. And thank you for the promises in Scripture that when we pray in faith, we'll receive what we have asked for. Thank you, Jesus. Increase our faith, I pray, as we, as we study prayer this morning. Amen. Okay, I've got two. Um, I'm blessed with two uh, tassels in my Bible, so I don't need to turn these up. Ephesians 6.10. Ephesians 6.10, finally, my brethren, this is the New King James, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles, against the wiles, the tricks of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take out the whole armour of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore. You're getting the message about standing. Having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. That's not why I took my shoes off, by the way. We'll come on to that later. And above all, taking the sheath of faith, with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Verse 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Hallelujah. And also, or do a personal study on this passage, see what else God uh, says to you from it. Some of the questions that I put down on our little poster about prayer is, why don't I want to pray? I ask that question. Hopefully, kind of answer that a little bit. Um, how do we pray together? We've just done a little bit of that, but how do we do that? Um, how do I grow in prayer? Some of us might well be keen on growing in our prayer lives. And also, how do I keep going in prayer? Which is uh, the million dollar question, really. And one thing is, pray with other people who are good intercessors. If I want to become a better runner, I run with people who are good runners, as if I can keep up with them. Maybe they'll kindly slow down for me. And, and then as I run with them, they tell me all sorts of tricks and tips. Um, uh, Dick Eastman, who's written quite 
extensively on prayer, his book, No Easy Road, he says this. This is just to encourage you. Why should we pray? When we talk with God in eternity, I believe we will quickly learn that everything of worth that was accomplished on earth was connected to an intercessor's prayer. Everything on earth. Nothing that's going to last into eternity will last if it's not birthed in prayer. And an intercessor, all of us, if we're praying for something else that isn't our own interests, then we're intercessors. And um, what I was struck by, first thing I was struck by, is that um, verse 18, it says, praying always with all prayer. And so hang on, which piece of the armor is prayer then? Because it's not, there are six pieces of armor, but which piece is prayer? Is there a piece that is prayer? No, no, uh, but... Actually, um, prayer is what we're doing. The, the armour is a picture of prayer. This passage is all about prayer. Um, there's an old song that goes, put on the gospel armour, each piece put on with prayer. The armour of God is not magic. It's not, as soon as I put it on, do a little prayer, uh, and then I can forget and go through the day, and now nothing can touch me. If you think about a Roman soldier, when they put their armour on, it wasn't as if they kind of just go about their normal daily business. When you put your armour on, you go to fight. And so you're alert. You're, you're ready. You've got to stay alert. So, so bear that in mind. And that's why Paul says, praying always with all prayer. Um, the battle is a spiritual battle. It's not a physical battle. And so it needs to be won on our knees. Battle for the souls of our friends and family it needs to be won on our knees before we can share with them, probably. You know, we know about theology. We, um, it's all very well knowing the truth. We know that everyone needs to hear of Jesus' love. We know everyone needs to know that God loves them and that Jesus died on the cross to save them. And we know that without that faith in God, um, they may well not spend an eternity with him. And we're desperate to tell other, other people about it. It's all very well knowing that theology. What we need is some neology. Yeah, we need to get down on the knees and pray. It's no good knowing about it. Uh, we've actually, for people, Martin Lloyd-Jones said in the Christian life, prayer is essential. Uh, tell a couple of stories here um, because another way uh, of um, growing in prayer and also just increasing our desire to pray just like I said, running with someone who's like an amazing runner. And you think, wow, I want to be like them. You know, pray with an amazing intercessor and catch a vision of what they're doing and of what they're achieving in God. And um, Wilbur Chapman spent some time with a guy called Hyde, who was known as Praying Hyde. And um, he tells us this story. He says, he came into my room, Praying Hyde. He turned the key in the door. So they locked the door no interruptions. He dropped on his knees and waited five minutes without a single syllable coming from his lips. I knew I was with God as he was there. And then with upturned face, down which the tears were streaming, he said, oh God. And recalling this joyous time, Chapman adds, then for five minutes at least, um, Hyde was still again. Just 10 minutes without really saying anything. And when he knew he was talking with God, his arm went round my shoulder. There came up from the depth of his heart such petitions for men as I'd never heard before. I rose from my knees, says Chapman, to know what real prayer was. So that's what we, that's what we need, isn't it? It's that real prayer. And sometimes we know, don't we? And this is why prayer is difficult. We pray a prayer and we think, that didn't feel 
as if anything happened there. I don't, I don't know if that was any good. And we need to keep going through the motions. We need to keep being faithful. Like Hanley said the other week, um, it can be boring to be faithful. It can be dull. But actually, we also need to be praying, as it says in Ephesians eight sixteen, in the Spirit. We must pray in the Spirit. Otherwise, it doesn't achieve anything. One more story of a, of a chap praying. And I only felt this morning I should include this. Dr. Bacchus of Hamilton College lay near death. His doctor entered the room and quietly gave him a quick examination. With a solemn look, he departed. Passing through the doors, the doctor softly spoke to friends standing nearby. What did the doctor say? asked Dr. Bacchus. He said, sir, you cannot live more than half an hour. Then take me out of my bed, cried Bacchus. Place me on my knees. Let me spend the time in prayer for this sinful world. And moments later, he passed to glory. That was, that was his, last, his last desire. I want to be, I want to be like that. So uh, wrestle. In Ephesians 6, um, 12, it talks about wrestle. And prayer is fighting. You say, well, we're supposed to be talking about prayer being natural. Natural. You know, all that kind of um, mindfulness kind of stuff what's that got to do with wrestling but actually sometimes we need to fight sometimes we need to defend we need to protect and that's part of life it's a natural thing actually isn't it animals naturally defend and um, obviously remember this is a spiritual battle this isn't a physical battle okay I'm not suggesting you biff people on the nose and stuff like that Um, but also not only we need to protect ourselves but we come across people who are weaker than us who need protecting in prayer. They might not know how to. One of the Silver Line Christians, but then it has been the uh, Prayer Line app, which means that we can start praying for things really, really quickly as soon as they come up. If you're on Signal, if you're not on Signal, I highly encourage you to get on there because you can put uh, prayers out there. You know, we pray for our, our own situations, but sometimes we think, actually, I just need someone else to stand with me on prayer on this one, and then you can put it on Signal. And it's amazing how quickly someone responds uh, there. And we've been praying for Eloise, this girl we don't know her Neil has been faithfully putting updates about this girl who's had uh, this little girl who's had uh, a real hard time of it and those of you who join our Wednesday morning prayer and it'd be great to see uh, fresh faces there will know of Anthony Stewart um, that we've been praying for and again you know the, the needs every time Liz mentions it we think oh no she updates us and we think this needs our best prayers you know and so we need to be defending him in prayer the shield of faith I was struck by um, in verse 16. And of course, it's a big shield, isn't it? It's a Roman shield. And uh, they needed this shield. Sometimes they would dip it in water. We had Toby modelling it not so long ago up the front. And we were throwing pieces of paper at him and squirting water. But when you're holding a shield and when someone's trying to get you, you have to stay alert. You, you can't kind of let your guard down and, and have a nap or forget about it. And the Holy Spirit helps us. So if we... If we kind of struggle or if we uh, lose our focus, often I find the Holy Spirit reminds me if I need to pray. But the devil is a brilliant tactician. It says the wiles of the devil. He's a military genius and we mustn't underestimate him. And um, he also ambushes us and he has very cunning ways of fooling us into thinking we can get away without prayer. 
It's incredible the number of excuses that I can think of. As soon as I think, oh, it's prayer meeting tonight, I think, oh, I won't do it. Or I can think of reasons not to. For me, actually, it's quite fortunate that I have to be there because I'm the pastor. But, but uh, when, we're not, when we don't have to be, you know, it's not so easy. I'll tell you what, from that point of view, all of you here should have a go at doing a, a preach on something because it just blesses you. You'll get so blessed digging into the Bible. If, if you've got something you have to do and it's a spiritual thing, it's a wonderful, wonderful blessing. Um, so, yeah, so sorry, I'm trying to keep, keep uh, on track here. But the, um, the, the shield is so important. A Roman soldier wouldn't dream of leaving his shield, of, shield at home and going out to battle. He'd be finished. Yet how many days do we go out into our day and we haven't actually kind of done anything in faith? We haven't made a faith statement or we haven't connected with the Lord. And, of course, on a normal day, sometimes we can just about scrape through and then we say, oh, Lord, I messed that one up. You know, we were singing, weren't we? Take, take my fears and failures. You know, fill my life again. Lord, I want to start again. And it often feels like that for me, on, on a, sometimes on a daily basis. But here we learn so much about the nature of the spiritual life in this passage. In verse 13, we learn so much. We've, it's going to be tougher. Being a Christian is tougher than not being a Christian because we're going to be attacked by the devil. And it says here that we've got the armour of God, that's the good news, but there's going to be an evil day. And there's going to be more than one evil day. The trouble is, we don't wake up in the morning, get out of bed and think, oh, it's an evil day today, I'd better be on my guard. I'd better be alert. I'd better put the armour of God on today. We don't know, do we, until we get into the day. So we need to put the armour of God on Every day, we need to come before him every day. And it says here, it's kind of, it's, it's like a battle situation. We're going to move into Joshua 6 shortly. But it's that you may be able to withstand. It doesn't sound very definite, does it? So we've got to have the armor on if we want to stand a chance. This doesn't mean that we're not going to go to heaven. But it just means that we might miss out. And that other people might miss out as well. Um, we don't always know when we've fallen. We don't know when we failed. But when we look back, we might be able to see and think, oh, I missed an opportunity there. I should have prayed for my wife there. I should have prayed into this situation. Um, I was, Louise and I were talking about our car, and uh, we weren't sure whether it was going to need repair. And um, I said, oh, I can't remember what I said, but she challenged me. I said, to her, I said to her, have you prayed about this? And then she said, well, have you prayed about it? And then I thought, no, I haven't. So we prayed, we prayed about it. And in fact, it was fine. Um, the car wasn't a problem at all. So there's an answer to prayer. Um, but, um, but yeah, that there's so many battles going on. And it's only when we're on our knees in prayer, it's only when we start to listen that God starts reminding us of all the battles that are being fought that we need to be helping to fight. You know, the battle for other people to get saved, the battle for our reward in heaven, um, the battle for the desires in our hearts. Psalm 37 verse 4 says, uh, delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desire of your heart. But if we're not battling for those desires, if we're not asking God, Jesus says, ask and you'll receive. So we need to be asking. The battle for healing, the battle for wholeness in our mind, the battle for freedom from the past, all those things, they hang in the balance. The engine is prayer or, or the petrol is prayer, what Liz was saying the other week. I don't know how many times other people's prayers have rescued me. 
but I know that they have. And when I get to glory, we'll be able to see and we'll be able to trace back and see it was that person's prayer there, you know, and that person's prayer there that saved me from disaster, that rescued me. The evil day threatens to come on us and the devil roams around, doesn't he? He prowls around like a roaring lion. He's not going to get you. Yeah, he's not going to get you. He's not going to get me because we've got the armor of God and we're living in faith. Um, J.C. Ryle says we must wrestle earnestly in prayer like a man contending with a deadly enemy for life. Now, OK, so that's the hopefully that helps us to think a little bit uh, when we don't want to pray. It's often the devil just kind of tuning us out, trying to blind us to the spiritual realities of the world. God knows everything. We don't know what's about to happen to us. I was running this morning. I wanted to get there and I had to get there before church. But there was a a, a memory run this morning um, in memory of a a runner who dropped dead suddenly uh, of a heart attack as he was out running on his own. And um, his his widow had organized this. It was his birthday on Friday. His widow had organized this run. So I didn't get to all of it, but I wanted to get to some of it. There were about 25 of us and we were running. And I thought there's something prophetic about this because we're we're making all sorts of statements by remembering him and by saying that we're not going to let this get us down just because he died running. doesn't mean to say we're not going to run. Okay, we're going to be sensible about it. You know, we're going to run with other people. We're going to have phones on us. We're going to do all the things that he tragically failed to do and which meant that he didn't get to the hospital in time, you know, and, and his, he was brain dead and sadly he, he died. He was only in his 50s. Um, tragedy. It was tragic. But, but the, the thing, so I'm trying to remember why I mentioned that now. Um, why did I mention it? It's in my head because I was there and it was, it was powerful. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll come back to that. But yeah, in terms of our prayer, in terms of our prayer in public, some of us are good at praying in public. John. You know, if you want someone to pray in public, ask John to pray for you or Lizzie, you know, get her to pray. But if I ask one of you, can you just come up and pray for us? You know, how would you feel about that? Um, Well, there's a little story here um, about a public prayer meeting, which I just wanted to read to you. Um, Promptly lost the page. Oh, there we are. That's the right page. Yeah. Sorry, bear with me. It's Martin Lloyd-Jones. He says, I'll never forget this prayer meeting. It started one night at 7.15 in a church in South Wales. It was a hot summer's evening on a Monday night. Two men had taken part in prayer. Then a man stood up whom we knew well, uh, we knew so well, an unimportant man, not a gifted man by any means, a man whose prayers could be stilted and formal and dry and discouraging. Those of you who go to prayer meetings, and <laughs> I hope no one thinks that about my prayers. But yeah, so this guy wasn't, wasn't the world's most anointed prayer. He began to pray. Suddenly, something happened to him. The whole man was transformed. His voice deepened. He began to pour out one of the most eloquent prayers I've ever heard in the whole of my life. And he lifted up the entire meeting, myself included. Every one of us was in the spirit, in the realm of the spirit, And on the meeting went, one after another, praying. Men and women who I'd heard on other occasions praying were now praying as I'd never heard any of them pray before. Language, thoughts, everything was perfect. And the warmth and freedom and liberty were remarkable. On and on it went. They'd started at 7.15. They finished about 10 minutes to 10. We'd forgotten time. We were in the realm of the Spirit. We were in eternity. Time did not matter. Nothing mattered. This is 
is what you get in revivals. And we were being given a taste of it. And I'll just make a brief reference. It made me think of the American revival that began July 1857 in New York. A Dutch missionary, just 30 minutes, he was praying on his own. He'd put out some little handbills. And then six men came in and prayed with him. The next week there were 20 in the prayer meeting. The next week it doubled. They decided they'd meet every lunchtime for prayer in the, in, in the lunch hour. People were asked in these meetings to keep their prayers brief. And... Um, they were praying for specific people to get saved. And soon there were over 100 people at the prayer meeting. People who weren't Christians at all turned up to the prayer meeting because they were convicted by the Holy Spirit. And, uh, and as they prayed for people, they expected answers and they got them. Within a month, pastors who attended the midday prayer meetings started morning prayer meetings in their churches. And it was a mix, interdenominational men and women, old and young. Soon the venues were overcrowded. They couldn't fit everyone in. And uh, by the end of March, over 6,000 people were meeting daily in New York in prayer gatherings. And in February, meetings began in Philadelphia, and they sprang up in cities all across America. And it's a revival of prayer. It wasn't preaching, it was prayer that started it. Sinners would come in, they'd ask for prayer. Someone would pray individually with them, and moments later they'd be rejoicing and they'd be saved. And people would send requests in and say, oh, can you just pray for my friend? Pray for my son. Pray for my grandson. And um, by June, about 96,000 people had come to Christ. It was an enormous wave of revival sweeping over America. There aren't any revivals that I've read of that haven't involved prayer, that haven't involved prayer meetings. So those of you who think prayer meetings are for fanatics, look, if we want to see God move, we need to be getting to the prayer meetings. They're the most exciting meetings. They really are. Um, now, let's go to Joshua 6, otherwise we're out of time. I've got seven minutes left on my timer. I might slightly go over it. Um, and I'm going to skip the bit I was going to do, but I'm just going to, I just felt God saying to take my, Shoes off, uh, because in Joshua 5.15, the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, take your sandal off your foot, the place where you stand is holy. And this is a holy place this morning. This is holy ground. You're on holy ground too. You might feel God telling you to take your shoes off. Mercifully, um, God reminded me of this this morning, and so I made sure I had clean socks on um, before I came in, and I didn't have any holes in my socks. Um, so uh, Joshua, um, I don't know if you read this through, but, but that bit about uh, Joshua meeting probably Jesus, meeting Jesus with a drawn sword. How awesome is that? And, uh, and he has to be aligned before he can be assigned. God aligns us before he assigns. So whenever you get your time on your own with God, just allow yourself to get aligned to him, to his will. We need God's will. We need to be following his will. It's no good coming to us with all the things we think God ought to be doing and sorting out. That's no good at all. That's not prayer in the spirit. Okay. Um, so I just want to... How old she is today? There's a, she's 25. She's 25. So that's a good, a good age to be. Um, uh, Megan kindly lent me this book. Um, uh, if you want it, Megan's got tons that she's always buying Christian books. And um, it's by Chris Hodges and it's called Pray First. And um, it had this marvelous little, um, little uh, revelation in, well, 
I, I, sometimes I read things and I think, is it just that I've just never come across that before? But I think, how didn't I know that? But um, I'm sure all of you know this. But, but it was talking about spending time in God's presence and just aligning ourselves, reminding ourselves who we are, how much we need him. And Isaiah 53 verse 5, it, said, it, it talks about Jesus on the cross. And um, Jesus received four different wounds when he died on the cross. And Isaiah 53 verse 5 kind of expresses those. Um, and I'm reading from the NIV version of it. It says, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. So the four wounds Jesus received, he was wounded for our transgressions. That's the nails in his hands and in his feet. He was bruised for our iniquities. That's the spear in his side. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. That's the crown of thorns on his head. So he suffered that. So none of us need to suffer any, any anxieties in our minds because of his suffering. And by his stripes, the 39 lashes on his back, we are healed. And we can thank him. We can use that as a little tool to remind ourselves, Lord, you suffered injuries for me. I was supposed to take those injuries. He was broken so that we didn't need to be broken. In fact, his legs weren't broken, were they? But the spear went in his side. Perfect lamb of God. And we just say, well, we just love him. Don't we love him? Because he died for us. And so we align ourselves to him. And like Joshua, Joshua is all ears. And he's not about to rush out and do his own thing. Hello, John. Great to see you. So uh, Jericho. Uh, this, you know, this, is, this is the bit I feel that is probably prophetic and hopefully will kind of come through. So uh, I'll try and cover it if I can. So um, Joshua 6, 1 and 2. Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out, none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I've given Jericho into your hand. It's king and the mighty men of valor. And Joshua needs to understand that this isn't a physical battle. This is a spiritual battle. And God's already gone and won this battle. He won it before the men even started marching round. And in um, Joshua 2, 24, the spies went into Jericho. They came back and they said to Joshua, they said, the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of us. They're all in fear. When it says that the city was shut up um, in Joshua 6, was it shut up? to stop the children of Israel getting in or was it shut up to stop everyone running away because they were already fearful of the children of Israel and um, we when we pray sometimes we have prayer to see um, what God has already done but it, it and and I think it's wonderful that the Lord says to Joshua see I've given Jericho into your hand Joshua's looking no <laughs> it's shut up it's not it's still there but God's saying see with your spiritual eyes. See that I've won the battle already. I've given its king and its mighty men into your hands. And as Christians, one of the reasons life is tough is we look and we think, oh, there's only a few people here at church. That's not too bad, but it could be more, couldn't it? Or we get to a prayer meeting and, and no one's shown up or there's just three or, you know, half of the prayer meeting are out because of a bug or something. And you just, it disappoints you. And then you look at the country and you look at the spread of evil and you look at the horrible things that happen to people and you think, why didn't someone go and help? Why didn't someone sort that? We look at the lack of godly leadership in the land, uh, in 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 other countries, in the church, and we think we lose heart and actually God's, God's saying to you, see, I've given Jericho into your hand. And I've been reading about Jericho and 
Jericho is mentioned time and time again as the Israelites come into the land. They keep on talking about Jericho. It's a strategic city. If they hadn't conquered Jericho, they would never have conquered the land. They needed to conquer Jericho. And so for each of us, we've got a Jericho. There's more than one Jericho. Some people in the church have Jerichos this year that that God has already won that battle, but you might not be able to see yet that the battle has been won. And so God is saying, see, I've given you Jericho. And what happens here, um, I, I suppose, sorry, I'll just say this. Um, you know, we, we've got these needs, we've got these Jerichos, and we keep praying them, but we've prayed these prayers. And we've prayed them before. And we pray them again and again, and we're not seeing any change. And it's because we need to pray in the Spirit. So we need to see in the spirit the victory that God has already won. We've got our salvation, but when we're praying, we're praying to see God's kingdom advance on earth. That's what we're here for. Otherwise, God would just have taken us straight up to heaven when we believed in him. But God's got a plan for us here on earth. And it's wonderful to be part of God's plan. It's the best way to live. It's the exciting way to live. In James 5.16, it says, as I'm sure you know, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. So we've got to be fervent in our prayers. We've got to see uh, the answer. Now, let's just read a little bit more. I'm not going to unpack all of this, but you're very welcome to go in and look at it because I'm nearly out of time. But verse 3, these are the instructions God gives. Whether this is the commander of the Lord's army giving these instructions or whether Joshua is hearing in a different way, it's not clear. But he says, you shall march around the city, all you men of war, go all around the city once. This you should do six days. And seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. But the seventh day you'll march around the city seven times and the priests shall blow the trumpets. I'll just pause there for a moment. I just wonder how long it would have taken them to get being part of a large family or even a small family. And you're all going somewhere. Uh, I don't know, the Boxing Day walk or something like that. And it just takes ages to get everyone ready and everyone out of the house. I'm looking at Dom and Amy for some reason because I know they've got a big family. How long did it take? Well, just imagine there were 40,000 soldiers in, in, in the Israelite camp, as well as the priests with the Ark of the Covenant. You can't, you can't kind of rush rush that can you we know what happens if you rush moving the ark of the covenant and also you've got other people i think who are marching as well i think they probably took the whole day to muster and to get ready to get their armor on and then so they're listening and i think day by day they get these instructions from joshua they don't know what's going on i don't think i'm not sure joshua even gets all the the download at once and say where are we going joshua right marching around jericho okay great gonna take jericho no talking, says Joshua, a bit boring, uh, just walking around the city. It would take them about half an hour, probably, they reckon, to walk around the city of Jericho and then back to the camp. Oh, what was all that about then? Uh, uh, and we're doing it again tomorrow, by the way. And they're just doing it again and again and again. And I think this reflects the, the need to persevere in prayer. And I love the fact that they're not talking. They don't talk. They're just walking. But it is prayer. And so prayer, it says in Ephesians 6, 18, pray with all kinds of prayer. Quiet prayers, um, action prayers, symbolic prayers. I've taken my shoes off as a symbolic prayer to recognize that God is holy and that God is awesome. And that I've, I've got a role, which is an, a, a fearful role, which is kind of to do some sort of leadership. And all of us you know, have that sort of role as well. Um, 
I like the fact as well that it's seven days, and I think that's a symbolic time. So maybe God's calling you to carry a prayer burden for, for seven days. Um, seven days is quite an interesting time period in Scripture. Moses was on at a mountain in Exodus 24. He and the elders were caught up onto the mountain. God's cloud of glory rested on the top of the mountain for six days. And then on the seventh day, God called Moses up into the cloud. So that time of waiting, that time of six days, you might need to wait that long or even longer um, before, before God shows you uh, what's going on. And so it's interesting. It, the, the victory is here. God's got your Jericho. He's got your Jericho, but you're going to need to be obedient. And you might have to do some things that are going to be a bit boring and a bit tedious. But whatever it is God calls you to do, just be obedient. And... I'm, I'm, I'm just also struck as well as we get up to the, you know, the taking of Jericho that a lot's built up to that with the children of Israelites. So if you look at the start of Joshua, they all have to get circumcised um, because they weren't circumcised in the wilderness years. And they put these memorial stones up in, and they cross the Jordan and there's other stuff going on and Joshua has to be prepared. So they're ready before they start fighting this battle. And that's something else I feel it's right to say that you were ready Actually, you're ready to fight these battles. You're ready to take on these prayer burdens. If not now, when? And if not you, who? You might be the other person who needs your prayer. There's a teacher I know at um, the school I'm supply teaching at. She's got a brain tumour. She doesn't know if it's cancerous. She's quite young. If it's cancerous or if it's benign because they can't do a biopsy. But she's waiting for the operation. Um, Once she's had the operation, she'll know. And she doesn't know I'm praying for her, but I am praying for her because I think, well, who else? No one else may be praying for her. So I'm just uh, checking in with her because she's not got a date for her appointment yet. I just want to read a couple of words. I'm nearly done now. But um, there is a song called Awake My Soul by Brooke Liggertwood. And it goes, there is a sound I love to hear. It's the sound of the Saviour's robe as he walks into the room where people pray. Where we hear worship, he hears faith. And then it kicks off. And, um, and then there's a bit later on, and I'll read this bit because I can't pitch it, which is, and when he moves and when we pray, where stood a wall now stands away. And obviously that's taken directly from this moment. Let's read this verse in, uh, in Joshua 6. It shall come to pass, they'll make a long blast. These are the priests with the ram's horns. And when you hear the sound of the trumpet, that's just the horn, that's not a trumpet, that all the people shall shout with a great shout. The wall of the city will fall down flat and the people shall go up, every man straight before him. God had won the victory, such a powerful victory, uh, such an important victory. And the ram's horn, the shofar, if you're spending some time in God's presence and you want some worship, call up on YouTube, put shofar and listen to the sound of a ram's horn being blown. I was half in, half in a mind to get Lizzie to bring hers in today, but in the end I, I didn't ask her. But um, it's, it's a... It's, a sound uh, is not a musical sound. It's a sound for war. It's a signal for war. Or it's a signal that the king is arriving. And Psalm 24, I just want to mention here, because in that song, Await My Soul, um, later on in the bridge, it says, Hey, let the king of glory enter in. Fall down on your knees and worship him. 
let's worship him. And I want us to see the manifest glory of God in our meetings, in our gatherings this year. This is something I'm praying for because we need to see the glory of God. The Israelites who uh, took Jericho had seen the glory of God, or at least they had. Within a generation, they'd had stories of the glory of God. Within a generation, we've got stories. And even around the world, we hear stories of the glory of God. So we can have the manifest glory of God in this place. So I just want to encourage you, and I'm going to close in a second. Um, I think I'm just going to give one hint about prayer. And there are loads of, if you Google pray, you can find loads of tips and hints. I'd recommend that book um, by Chris Hodges called Pray First, which has a whole load of uh, different tools. But here's one tool to close with, and then I'm going to pray. In 1 Chronicles 4, there's a little prayer that's quite well known, but some of you may not have come across it or might have forgotten about it. It's hidden in a genealogy. It's two verses. Uh, 1 Chronicles 4, 9. Jabez was more really unfortunate. Because I bore him in pain or sorrow. Imagine being called pain. Um, we had little Dave earlier. That's, that's a bit different. Uh, and, but here we are. And uh, Jabez called on the God of Israel. I think I would if I had a name like that as well. Saying, oh, that you would bless me indeed. Prayer one, and enlarge my territory. Prayer two, not cause pain. Prayer four. Prayer three, and that you would keep me from evil so that I may not cause pain. Prayer four. The judge, you're walking down the street and say, Lord, something you can probably, even if you can't remember all four things, you can remember at least one of them just as you're walking down the street and say, Lord, enlarge my territory as you're walking down the street. Or, uh, Lord, uh, keep me from evil. And the great thing about that prayer, of course, the reason we will love praying it is because at the end of that verse, it says, God granted him what he requested. So God answered the prayer and he will answer prayers um, if we're praying aligned to him. So thank you guys for listening. Let's just pray and then we're going to hand back for some singing. Hand back to John. Lord, I thank you for your presence. I thank you, Lord, that you have spoken prophetically this morning, Father, about the Jerichos, Lord, in the church, in the land, in our lives. Lord, and you're calling us to take those cities. And you're telling us that you've already won those battles. We don't know exactly how you've won them. We don't know what the victory will look like yet. Lord, it might look like a defeat. You dying on the cross looked like a defeat, but it was the greatest victory of all time. And so, Lord, we say not our will, but your will be done. We say your kingdom come, Lord Jesus. And we just say that we love you. And we say we're sorry that we don't pray very well. We don't pray often enough. We don't pray fervently. Certainly I don't, speaking for myself. But Lord, help us, Lord God. Equip us, inspire us, empower us. Even now we pray. Amen.